Hey everyone, and welcome into the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and on this week's episode, well, let's just say the transfer window has now officially closed. We will have so much to talk about when it comes to the window. I'll get into all the transfers later in the podcast. I'll obviously catch you up on the standing scores, etc., etc., like I normally do with D2 and D1, respectively. Like I said, no more FA Cup talk. That is out of the question. That is over with. Yes, Surge did win. We can move on now. So far, though, our two champions, our two cup winners, uh, the VT Cup being Chris and Chelsea, and then in the FA Cup, which is a big deal, I think, for the fact of the matter is that it takes place during the season, is Surge Club America. So congratulations. Um, like I said, I will get into all the transfers. I'll get into all the other things that could be going on. As we get ready for the season, the FIFA Top 100 ratings dropped. I'll get into who made those and what it means for your team and how many do you have. And does that really impact how you play in the league? I'll get into that later in the podcast. Uh, My producer, though, just before I start the show, was irate that he didn't have anybody in there. I mean, I did see Robert uh, Robbo get an 85. I know he's not on his team. Guerrero kept his 89 status, which I think is pretty fair. I'll get into more of those uh, as we get go on in the podcast. Um, but I don't feel too bad for him. I know Christian Erickson's there for my other producer, Aaron. So shout out to at least one of you getting somebody up there. Um, and I hope that you guys check it out. It's a shared link on the Facebook page at the moment for all you guys in the league. If you're not in the league, just go ahead and Google it. It should pop up right away. Anyways, let's get you into the podcast. Starting with all the news that is going around in the world of FIFA. Alright guys, so let's get you with all the FIFA news that is coming down as of right now. Two of the biggest stories of the day, or I'd say of the week, since I last talked to you guys. Just about really this morning, the revamped Champions League proposal was thwarted. It doesn't look like we'll get more teams or a change to the system as of right now. Um, I don't think that anybody in the committee wants to see a change. I think they genuinely enjoy the way it works now. And I got to say, I like the way it works now. I do like the coefficients. I do think it makes a big deal uh, how these teams finish in the league and if they'll get another chance to, you know, in order to increase the league's legitimacy and how they do in these European competitions, uh, if we're just talking about uh, European soccer in general. The level playing, the, the playing field is not level, don't get me wrong, but... With the news also that La Liga is going to salary cap teams now. There's no specific number currently um, at the moment, but they are gonna. They're proposing that is something that will go down. I don't know if that changes uh, the way soccer will be played in the future. I do believe though, teams are going to be willing to pay a luxury tax of some sort, and I think the reason why is soccer may benefit from a salary cap. I know some people are going to be really upset about that. This is kind of in correlation. The reason why is because what some people were doing, La Liga officials were trying to get uh, UEFA to do was to basically say, okay, listen, we're going to try this in La Liga next next season. Possibly uh, they're going to start putting salary caps on teams. And I was looking at some of the numbers. Some of them are almost in the billions of how much they pay these players combined. So what they wanted is to do the same thing in the Champions League. And that way that no team is really doing anything particularly crazy. It's an even playing field. However, I don't think that's possible seeing as some teams won't be able to have that money to even fill the cap in the first place. 
Um, I think that's what's holding it up as of right now. As for news back in the States, a 3-0 loss to Mexico in the U.S. friendly at Medlife Stadium didn't go well uh, with the president, Carlos Cadero, uh, or Cordero, excuse me. And unfortunately, U.S. CEO soccer, uh, soccer, U.S. soccer CEO Dan Flynn will now, res- or excuse me, step down and retire this coming in the wake of the lawsuit from the women's national team and also the fact that on Glassdoor.com, if you go there, you could see how terribly rated the U.S. soccer environment is to work in right now. And I got to say, as someone who has a badge, I know a few people that have higher licenses than I do in the system. It is a dirty and very flawed system of how it's ran. And the fact that we don't have free soccer in the United States is an issue. Um, Of course, that's something that they're trying to fix. But Dan Flynn has, over time, tried to keep changing things. There's obviously been teams who have come in under his watch in the MLS. And there's been a lot of stuff that he's done really well. Uh, But him stepping down uh, after 20 years of involvement on September 15th, I believe that's the date of his last day of work. I don't know who's going to go in and replace him. I don't know any specific candidates as of right now, but that's been the news on ESPN and Yahoo. That's all the updates that I'm getting on Bleach Report as well, is that that's the two big news stories of the day. Um, Obviously, we have European qualifying going on as of right now. There's some live games going on, but as for everything in the States, it's it's another thing that the United States has to deal with. Um, I almost feel that, and, and a lot of people who know me when we talk about sports, I want hands-on involvement, and Dan Flynn did that for uh, here at the end of his involvement with the United States Soccer Federation. Until he got that lawsuit, and I almost feel like, you know, you obviously can't pay, you know, everyone the same in every single field. But in this field, you have an opportunity to pay the team, and in this case as well, World Ch- World Cup champions back to back, the same as the men. I don't see how that's such a problem for the federation, and how that's such a hard thing for them to do. And if uh, and another thing that I know that Flynn was also in, a, there's a big split, by the way, within the whole federation of how the MLS is going to tr- uh, trend and how they're picking players for the national team. No one agrees on anything in there. There's so many guys trying to be the head honcho and no one's really trying to get behind any ideas. You know, promotion relegation has been, has been discussed and no one wants to take that step in the right direction yet. The MLS by 2025 is projected to have 30 teams in there, uh, whereas most European divisions have about 20 to 24. And um, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be whoever steps in there next. It could be someone that's not from the United States. It could be someone who maybe doesn't even like soccer. It could just be a business CEO, and that's a risk. And that is the reward of now you're having a guy step down after having the stability of 20 years. Even though, don't get me wrong, I don't think Flynn was a spectacular CEO. And I think that uh, Cordero, for that, as far as him being the president, this is going to reflect a lot on where he goes and how this federation goes. Remember, we did not qualify for the World Cup last time out. And whether that was the players or the coaching, it doesn't matter. The federation as, as a whole, excuse me, is terrible. There is no confinement. There is no system we play in. There's no heart and soul. I mean, the fans have more care sometimes than it seems than the players because we do not have a consistent uh, uh, pool of players that we're taking from. It almost seems now if you play in Europe, you are punished. Um, And that's maybe just the current coaching staff we have now. But from what I've seen, the 3-0 loss to Mexico really didn't help uh, United States progress. It almost looks like we're going to be that team 
that kind of has that one really good player with Christian Pulisic. And I, I do like some of the other guys that are coming into the fold. Uh, but you look at where Pulisic is playing. He's playing in the Premier League and he's proving himself at the highest level. I want to see more guys doing that and not being punished. There's some guys that play in the championship that haven't been given chances or they get very small chances. you got to give those guys playing in Europe more chances. Those levels are so much higher uh, than the MLS or even, no offense to the Mexican League, even though it's very interesting, it's not the same level. And I just think that they should be giving those players maybe a little bit more tick of notice, at least priority, going forward. Let's move on to the FIFA Top 100 now. All right, guys, so let's get into the FIFA Top 100. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and go through all 100 uh, players, of course. I'll just bring you through some of the things I found interesting and also not very shocking. First thing that's not very shocking, Messi and Ronaldo are 1 and 2, respectively. 94 for uh, Lionel Messi and a 93 rating for the Cristiano Ronaldo, who has now put it striker in the game. Uh, still with 90 pace and 93 shooting. Not to mention, he still has 82 passing. So Cristiano Ronaldo will still be something that uh, strikes fear into all of us. Neymar was 3. I'm not really sure I agree with that, but a 92, I guess, keeps some from really passing the great Ronaldo and Messi. I don't think he's even close to their level anymore. Uh, to be fair, I don't think anyone is in general. The highest goalkeeper on this list is uh, Jan Oblak of Atletico Madrid. So if you have him, I'm pretty sure no one does. That guy is well deserving of this, and I, I think this has been a long time coming for him to get on this list. I just, it's about time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I just I think that what Jan Oblak has been able to do as a goalkeeper, yes, he's behind one of the better defenses of the last three, four, five years, but he's he's finally getting the the you know the love because it, it's taken a while. He's a good player, and uh, of course, it's very rarely that teams are scoring on him. Finally, finally, is the number one goalkeeper in FIFA twenty. Little thing, other things I'm really kind of curious about. Sergio Busquets still an 89, and Luka Modric at a 90. Listen, I love Luka Modric with all my heart. Um, I truly, truly do. But I don't think he's a 90. Listen, an 87, 88, I would probably be okay with. I, I just don't think he's better than a guy like, for example, Harry Kane anymore. I know they play different positions. But even if you're looking at Sergio Busquets, I don't think they're past it as far as offensive ability. I think they still have something to offer their teams. But that hard work in, the, in their games as far as movement and defensive know-it-all, I think has gone away. I think Busquets and Modric do have some very good positional skills left. And maybe that's what's kept them at a high rating. But I, I just I don't see that. I, as much as I love Modric, I know he's coming off a really good season the year before that, the World Cup year. After that, though, it's been really bad, and, and you've seen it at Real Madrid. They just have not been the same uh, since, you know, what, after winning that last uh, Champions League. It's just not been the same. As for Busquets, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Praying Mantis. I know a lot of guys in our league will have differing opinions on him. I, just, I, do, I know he's a great player. I'm not denying that. I just don't think he's as great anymore. And to, to garner an 89... I just, I don't think so. I don't think he does enough for the team anymore. It's not like old Busquets where he is, uh, you know, taking ball, you know, taking tactically things away from the other teams. He's intercepting balls, 
making deep line passes. He may do the deep line passes, but defensively, he is a very much a liability. He's lucky he's got guys like PK and Langlet playing well behind him, even Umtiti. Uh, you know, th- those guys protect him. Uh, and I know that's their job overall, but, you know, there's supposed to be some reciprocation there. I just don't think that's there. Um, obviously, Hazard is in the top 10 as well. He's a great player. Mbappe at 11, I think, was a little surprising. I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I know Kareem Benzema's on this list. I know he's way down there, but you look at the years that some of these guys have had, I think Mbappe should have been a little bit closer to Neymar, seeing as Neymar sat out most of the time. I, I just I don't think the drama makes you lose overall rating, but I don't think Neymar's that good in the first place uh, to be a 92. Don't get me wrong, he's got amazing skill. I just don't rate him like that on that level to where he's just one or two overall points behind the two greatest players of our generation. But that's all I really got on the FIFA Top 100. You can check it out on the manager's page uh, for all you Facebook managers. As for anyone else, go to gold.com, go to ESPN. I'm pretty sure they'll have it posted there, and you guys can check out who made the Top 100 for FIFA 20. As for the rest of the ratings, we'll have to wait until FIFA 20 actually comes out to get them or until they finally decide to release the rest of the ratings. Uh, you can check so FIFA uh, for the, all that knowledge and see what guys are going to do as we step into next season where we'll be using FIFA 20 in the San Pedro FIFA League. We're going to move on to D2 and D1 after this break. I hope you guys enjoyed the first part. Let's move to part two. Okay, everyone, so let's keep this podcast rolling. And as we move on from the FIFA Top 100, of uh, the next FIFA, excuse me, FIFA 20's Top 100, and, of course, I talked about already all the news going on within the world of FIFA. Even though it varies minute, there wasn't any club games. And to be honest, a lot of the international qualifiers and friendlies are pretty irrelevant at the moment. Um, but we do have something that's very relevant to our league, transfers. And I have a fat list of notes. Here you can hear them. Um, literally, it's two pages. And I was sitting through some of these and I wanted to see some of the impact they're going to have on the team's The one I like the most, and I'll start with D1's Porto. I like these moves. I I talked to him before, you know, the season started. I said, listen, if if things aren't going right, is there going to be a fire sale because of the talent on this team, the money that uh, he could get back and have just a complete overall good side uh, come next season, whether he's in D2. It's looking like he's going to be in D2 next year. Uh, But to kind of reestablish the teams, or his team specifically, Excuse me. Um, but I do believe that this deal with Chelsea is important. Getting Federico Kaiza, um, that's a guy you could plug on the wing, and he's going to do everything you need for him. He is now an Italian international. He's going to play. He's going to get time there on the international level. He'll get that kind of respect. In return, Chelsea get 10 mil. They get Olmo and Torres permanently. These are just filler moves for Chelsea. Also a way to get money in the future. Someone's going to need Danny Olmo. I'm sure someone will take him. But I like Porto's other deal, getting rid of Diego Dalot. This is a guy that you could add into the ranks if you're Atletico Madrid. Needing to plug some holes to get this team a little bit better, Robert needs to. Obviously, he's doing what he can. But Porto, once again, this is a good move. You get 10 mil in return. We know how much money makes an impact in our league. And, you know, we're seeing what some of these good teams do with it. You know, they, they, they're producing with this money. So I really, really enjoyed what Porto did. On to another interesting move. Leon selling Blaise Matuidi to uh, Real Madrid. 
uh, for 20 million euros, Matuidi will help that, or excuse me, Bayern Munich. Uh, Matuidi will definitely help that midfield and becomes kind of the catalyst. And this is now time to push, right? This is the time that teams need to get going in order to win. So, you know, maybe even in, my, in Munich's case, they needed Matuidi because you're looking at where they are in the standings. It's not been impressive. They've been wildly inconsistent. They've been very, very good at times. And then other times they've been remarkably horrible. So I like this move. I think it brings some stability to the team. We'll see where it goes in the future. Of course, Leon's the big winner in this one. Obviously, 20 mil for anything at this point for them as they sit in second currently. Um or excuse me, third, um, but I, I like this deal for them. I know it helps Munich. You get an older center mid, though. Maybe about two, three seasons of Matuidi back at, you know, at the top of his game, so we'll see how that one ages. Of course, I do like that for now. Another deal I found interesting that Munich did do, where they got the money back, this is before they got Matuidi, um, was getting El Shirawe and uh, Diego Leintz uh, Linez, excuse me. I was just practicing how to say his name too. Um, into the team and Barca get twenty mil. So Munich spent in some money. You know they spent forty mil, brought in three players that they think could improve them. Barca taking the twenty mil. I'm sure Evan for a while wanted to sell to sell uh, Mr. El Sharawi. I I don't see that deal working out from too well. I do like the production that El Sharawi had at the you know in Division One and. He had a ton of assists. It's going to be interesting to see where Evan gets those assists now and how they affect his team. I do think that this is going to hurt him. I think the f waiting this long and not having a true backup, uh, Evan's going to have to prove a little bit. And we could see a, a, a change for guys like Havertz and other players like that may be affected by the exit of the of El Shadarway coming out. Now that's another person, or le one less person that team's got to focus on uh, when they meet up with Barcelona in the future. I have a couple free agent ones that I thought were in good notable. Sensi of Liverpool was just playing yesterday for Italy. Uh, that's something to keep, or Sunday, excuse me, that's something to keep an eye on. He is a player that is improving rapidly. And I talked to Joey, obviously, as a producer of the show. I He is blown away by this guy. Like, he is mildly blown away by this player. So he he believes that he's going to improve. And I, he only came for $18 million, So I do think that that's going to be something to uh, look forward to in the future. And I, I, I do like this deal by Aaron. I, Furpo is an interesting player. Yes, he's paying up to get him for $25 million. But if you look at all the deals in our league, this deal makes the most sense. And, I, and I, I genuinely like the way the transfer window ended. People are trying to make moves last minute. Sunday was a very busy afternoon for the league, trying to figure it out. I will say this, the Excel page sometimes doesn't search accurately, even when you type it in correctly. So that's something to look forward to. Maybe I was making mistakes. I was trying to find as many guys as I can, um, even filling out my own squad. But I did like the football deal. I think Aaron gets a big point on that. As for another deal he did, he's trying to improve the back line. That's one thing I criticize him about and I con consistently do in our group chat. And... Uh, Spurs go out and get Bailly for 5 mil on loan till the end of the season where they'll have the option to purchase him for 20 million euros. This is a good deal for him. Wolves are looking to move on from some pieces there at the back line. And even in the attack, uh, Andrew, please text me. I have some people I'm interested in. And, um, you know, so there is there is a movement here that Spurs need and Wolves need. And I think this deal actually meets both teams' needs where 
Andrew's going to get $25 million in total, and I do think Aaron will purchase by Even with his injury history, he's still a very dependable center back. Aaron's looking to build something there, but maybe he doesn't need to do it all in one window. And with, obviously, Chiellini in real life not going to improve overall, even though he has a super high rating, I believe he's the highest-rated center back going into FIFA 20. So that is important to kind of remember. Actually, I don't even think Aaron has Chiellini more. Excuse me, that's going to go to... Uh, Houston Dynamo there, so I confused some people there. My bad. Anyways, let's move on. Too many of you guys make too many deals too quickly there. Uh, one deal that I really enjoyed, and I know that this deal happened. Um, I do like Celtic getting Martin Terrier, the f- young Frenchman. I think he's 21 years old. He's got room to grow. I think he's going to improve, and I think only for 5 mil Real Madrid just... I guess they'll take that deal. I don't know what that deal was. I don't know how you come about that deal, but I did think that that was uh, a very interesting move just off the top. And I I do think that going forward, you look at what some of these other teams in D2 are trying to do to improve. Even PSG went out and got Wendell for 8 mil from Club America. Club America coming out of this window very smartly. Uh, Even Ajax, a new team to our league, welcome. Um, getting a deal done with Gian Felipe Mateta. And listen, America making 8 mil off of that. So Club America has been very busy in this window. They've been making moves uh, a little bit behind the scenes, kind of like Lyon, where they're just getting a little bit of money each time a deal goes down. Those are two teams to watch for, I think, come next window. Big, you know, It's a big off-season window. They're going to make some splashes. They've got money to spend now. Um, and, of course, obviously with D2 kind of, Teams want to get better in D2. That's where the D1 teams take advantage. And the D1 teams get taken advantage of for the D2 guys. You know, it, it works both ways. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed the window. I thought a lot of the moves you guys did were very good. Um, there's some questionable ones in there, but there always kind of are. Everyone's systems are a little bit different than each other's. And I think that we're just getting to the point where everybody wants to kind of have someone that fits their system. And uh, I'd say the biggest winner, though, from this window, if I had to pick one, I want to say it's got to be either Club America or Porto. I, I like what both those teams did this window. Yes, I know Liverpool and Spurs got two new players. It's it's a good experience for them. Um, but I'm not as impressed. Porto knows that they're going to go down. And I think going into next offseason, um, they're going to make some moves. I, I, I genuinely think that Luis will know that he's in D2 next season. He could really get guys to pay up for some of his players and then have money to really have a more developed squad, and have everything going together. So I think this is the first step and a bigger step for Luis, which is why I like this window for him. As for America, once again, same thing. You know, Serge is on the cusp. I talked about this, um, you know, last podcast. I, I just think he is right there to make an impact in the league race, uh, the league title race, excuse me, for the future seasons, and he knows that. And he's going to have to start getting some guys who can really develop underneath some of these more impacted players at the moment kind of have some depth and I think that's what's limiting him, uh, you know, limiting him right now. That won't be a problem in the future. Um, I think that he's going to come out, spend money this offseason, really get a full squad that could compete in uh, multiple competitions with injuries being a thing, obviously. So we'll see what that does. I do think those two teams are the winners. Losers of this window, I wanted Leon to do more. Yes, I got 20 mil. Like, that's a good move. I'm, I'm not going to denounce that move, but I wanted more from a team that's trying to get into the league title race. Yes, Chris is having a historic season, but it may have taken a bump with losing to Club America. 
You don't know what that's going to do to Chris. He may try and press and do stuff a little bit more now. He might try a little bit harder. That doesn't mean the results are going to be any better for him. Uh, we've seen in the past where teams try to they go above and beyond to do something. It tends not to work. So I wouldn't be jumping to any conclusions. I was actually a little surprised Leon didn't try and improve what they have. I do like that Santi trusts his team, but at the same time, I would like to see him improve on what's already been a pretty good season for him. It's not like he's had a bad year. He's in the top four. I would have liked to see more be done, though, by a team that's trying to do that. Another loser in this window is LAFC. I'm sorry. I do not like the, the Neymar deal. You've got to spend top dollar to get a player that, yes, he's going to leave a team that might stay up, and I think Ryan's trusting himself. Uh, I'll, I'll get to them in a bit, but... I don't like this deal. Why are you wasting money to get a player when you're going to already survive next season? Hoard that money. You've already done a really good job of bringing in young players and having a core group of guys that are willing to put, you know, to play like your style. You know, Edison already has a good style. Like, why is he trying to tamper that and bring in a superstar like Neymar? Neymar is a good player. But what, what's what's the point of that? I don't I don't really care for that deal. I don't I just I don't see the the importance for LAFC to bring in a player like that. If it was pre-FA Cup, I'd say, okay, this is a good deal. But it's not, and I don't, I don't know if I like this deal at all. I, I think this is a terrible deal. I think that he may come to rue this deal uh, going forward. As for Kashima, I hate this deal for you as well. Yes, you make $10 million off a player, but you're really trusting that you don't implode and something bad happens going down. Yes, you may not be automatically relegated, but you don't know what you're going to deal with when you play those D2 teams. What happens if Ronnie just so happens to slip up down in D2, and then you got to run into him, but he could score a ton of goals, you know, and it's not like Ryan's team's played very much defense this season. Yes, I know he's playing that in D1. Ronnie's down in D2. I'm just using that for an example. You know, Martin also has a very versatile team. I don't know if Ryan wants to really take, I'm surprised he's taking a chance on this, or maybe he feels like I can just scrape by I don't know. I don't like this deal for either one of these teams. I thought this was a weird deal when I seen it. I obviously had to wait to get on the pod. I wanted to wait for the window to end to talk about it. This is a, it's kind of a head scratcher. It's not like the Matuidi deal. It's not like the Dalot deal or even Chelsea giving up Keza because he doesn't really need, need him, right? So it's like, you're looking at all the deals. The only deal I would compare this to is Barcelona getting rid of El Shadawe. And even then, that deal makes sense for Barcelona in the end because at least you got 20 million. Ryan gets 10 mil to lose Neymar and possibly he might give himself a, a chance to, he might go down. He may not be helping himself at all, thinking he's helping himself. As for Edison, I get it. I get the deal. I get the ideology, but I just don't think you needed to waste 10 mil on a guy who's not permanent, right? You, you're going to make a ton of money from this offseason. There's so much money you're going to get. And you're looking at the capital that these guys like, and as much as I, know how bad he's played this year Porto you look at Luis he's building capital he's he's building money to save and he's going to use it I know he's going to use it that's what he's looking forward to he knows I'm going to go down so now it's I got to either rebuild this team or retool the team so whatever he does he he's already setting up for it LFC you're already going to make the top eight top six maybe if you continue to play well I don't know if you needed to do a deal where you bring in a guy who yes is 90 plus overall if that's going to improve anything, you know, it, it seems to me that Ryan this whole season needed to play through those players and to even get where he is now. And maybe he feels like I'll have a more team balance. 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what that deal does to both teams. If it improves Edison to a different level, maybe he'll start thinking, man, I got to spend bigger money. But at the same time, he also spent 10 mil to get this guy and he's not going to be permanent. So that's going to be curious to me. As for Ryan, I, I would want more time with my team as much as I can get because next off season, I want to be playing in D. I want to be getting ready for D1. I want to survive. I got to do whatever I can to survive. If I'm not having a good year, I try and keep everyone as close as I can. If anything, you add to it, you don't subtract from it. Um, but anyways, that's all I got on the transfers. And I'm going to move on to the standings. We'll catch you guys up after this little break. All right, fellas. So before I end the podcast, I just want to catch you up on the standings and what's going on really quickly in these two divisions and what to look for. Uh, well, I'll start with D1. In the top four right now, we have Chelsea, Club America, Augsburg and Lyon. I did say in the previous uh, segment that Lyon was in third, second, and then I corrected myself and said they were in third. I didn't realize that Ramon had played a game in that meantime that gave him just, you know, some points ahead. Obviously, Santi will have a chance to reclaim his third place position. As for the teams in the five to eight spots, you got Barcelona, LAFC, Juventus, and Wolves. Uh, you're looking at a tight race there. I think that Barcelona obviously played a lot more games, so really Edison and company have a real good chance to pass him. But it does put the pressure on those guys to get it done. We'll see what how that changes uh, possibly next week's, on next week's podcast. And the 9-10 to 10 spots, we have Liverpool Manchester United. They are tied on 34 points. Liverpool have the edge. Just one goal extra uh, scored, scored four. Uh, that puts them on seven goals, positive in the goal difference, and that's kept them ahead of Manchester United. Tottenham, and, uh, Tottenham Hotspur and AC Milan on 29 points, same similar situation there. Atletico Nacional, Dortmund, and Kashima Antlers all very close from 13 to 15, sitting just outside the playoff spots with Madrid and Dynamo looking to bust out, both with 22 points. Uh, we obviously have a very close race there. It's going to come down to who could find some consistency uh, come the end of the season. And our bottom three is Porto, Newcastle, and of course, Daniel O'Brien's Roma, who are excavated from the league. Obviously, the top four race is going to get tighter, and if Chelsea do slip, we could have a decent race on our hands. Obviously, America in Augsburg are just nine points off. Anything is still very much possible. These teams will run into each other again, and I'm sure Chris will one more time have to prove that he deserves to win this year. And yes, he's having a historic year. He's only lost one time. He's scoring 82 goals on the season so far. He's got a 58 goal difference. Those are all positives that Chelsea's been able to do, but it could all be just first half things, right? Or I would even say two thirds of the season. He's done perfect, basically. Uh, but with teams like America and Roman and Santi there, and even some teams I would I would say like Wolves can be tricky. Liverpool, Manchester United, Tottenham's tied uh, Chelsea this season. So you're going to have to see uh, Chris really prove himself one more time. Unfortunately, uh, we still have plenty of games left to go. So I'm not willing to crown anyone a champion yet. But 20 wins is very, very, very impressive. And we'll see if that can take him to a double. He was disappointed after not winning the FA Cup, so maybe he can use that as motivation. As for the teams that sit just on the outside of that glorious playoff spot, Kashima obviously got rid of Neymar for the rest of the season. Dortmund and Atletico Nacional have been wildly inconsistent teams. The thing I will say for Atletico Nacional is that they played pretty decently of late, and uh, I think they'll catch a little bit of form. David knows that he doesn't want anything to do with anyone below him in the standings. And I think that that's something that he's going to have to show in his performances. Just because 
you want that or you're changing your, your tactics towards that doesn't mean you're going to get rewarded with getting out of the bottom. I think some of those teams are just as desperate. We know that Wayne has been playing a lot better as well. That's why he pushed himself out from the bottom of the table to where he's at now. It's been a long season. He's given up a lot of goals. Uh, but now he's starting to score, and I think that's something that Wayne will hold his hat on is that he's starting to score goals. Everyone's starting to kind of contribute a little bit more. So maybe now uh, he can really start looking towards making the top 10 where I had him. I had him finishing 10th, so he's pulling a little bit closer to that area. We'll see if he can reach that mark. As for Kashima Andlers, I had high expectations coming into the season. They obviously haven't met that. Ryan has had a bad season, 13 losses. You just wouldn't have seen that from him. But one thing uh, that Ryan has done over the last month or two, he's cut the goal difference down. He was at negative 20, I believe it was last month. At the time of me recording this, He's at negative six, so he's been able to pop goals in, and he's been able to stop teams. That's led to more ties than it has wins, but I'm sure Ryan will really like look at those stats, and I'm sure he'd appreciate seeing that, okay, my team's improving in this area. Where he catches me off guard is the removal of Neymar from the team for the rest of the season, so he must be very confident that he could outplay uh, the teams from 13 to 17 at the moment. As for the bottom two teams, like I said, I like what Luis has done in the window. I think he knows that the chances of him getting hot and getting out of the bottom half of the table, uh, excuse me, the bottom three, looks very unlikely. As for as for Jake, you know, he's a founding member of the league, and I do think that he's had a bad season. He loaned out a lot of, uh, you know, a really strong striker in Lukaku. I almost feel like that was a mistake. Uh, that doesn't excuse the 76 goals, but I do think what Jake's trying to do, he's going to rebuild this team. I think he's going to take his time. He knows he can be patient because he's built a team before. I'm sure he's just looking at it as, okay, now it's time to, to move on. I'm going to go to D2. Um, of course, there's still a minor chance that something could happen. It would make it very exciting. Uh, but unfortunately, this happens every year. We're always going to get three teams that are going to automatically go down. It's unfortunate. That's just the way it works. Let's move on to D2 now, though. And because we move on to D2, I'll quickly catch you up on what's going on in their standings as well. We have Young Boys and Arsenal tied at the top of the table still. Not, not much has changed since I lost, last talked about the, the second division. Celtic and PSG tied at 35 points with one point behind in Martin sitting in fifth at the moment. Benfica, Bayern Munich, Atlanta United, Atletico Madrid roll out the 6-9 to nine spots with City and Lyon in the 10th and 11th spots respectively. Now, as for the bottom half of the table, we've seen more improvement, though, than we have in the past. Yes, Leon finally started giving up goals. They weren't doing that at the beginning of the season, which was a weird thing that was happening where it seemed like Leon was losing a lot of close games. And maybe if those results go the other way, he's not looking at the bottom half of the table. Uh, maybe he's competing for a fifth spot. Who knows? Those games, That's what happens in FIFA, though. As for Manchester City, I like the growth that I'm starting to see. There's a lot more trust in the team, and I think as more trust gets built, maybe the goals allowed go down. That's the worst record at the moment with 66 goals allowed in the second division. Maybe that goes down, and I don't know if Mike will go up, but I, I just I think that he'll grow. The team will get better. He'll probably compete for a fifth spot next season. I do think that he'll have... More money come in, and he'll have more time to look at what I need to do in order to improve the roster. As for Atletico, uh, excuse me, Atlanta United and Atletico Madrid, I don't know where the team is necessarily going. Right, the top two teams, six and seven, I'll get to them in a bit. 
I feel like they know what they're doing. As for this team right now, Atlanta United has really impressed, I think, more than people thought. I had Mike being the worst team in this division. He's obviously improved the roster enough to get him up to 16 points. And with, you know, a couple games in hand on people, you know, above him, you know, in Benfica, in this case, he has one game in hand. He could maybe cut the gap a little bit. Obviously, he's going to have to improve on what's been a very, very inconsistent year. And I, I got to say, I hope that something he does in the offseason is improve the balance of the roster. There isn't enough balance. There is some scoring ability. He's scored 31 goals. Um, but you have to be able to play defense. 54 goals allowed. That's the second worst defensive record in this division. Got to improve there. And uh, if he gets a little bit more balance, maybe we see those numbers come down and the goals start to go back up. As for Benfica and Munich, I like some of the moves that you guys made during this window. And there's some big moves. I know Jalant didn't do anything, but I mean, in the sense that Jalant was trying to sell players, was trying to improve the roster, I think that's a good sign. I think that's something that Jalant, you know, he could tell himself, all right, now maybe people weren't impressed with my players. Maybe it's a sign for him to go and move on from them. Uh, you know, he's probably going to have to do cut rate deals, but at the very least, he knows he wants to, I at least know, as someone who pays attention to the second division, Bifika want to get better. And I think that's a good sign. You want to improve. Some people just want to stick with their players for as long as they can and, you know, and only bring in guys, you know, one guy at a time. It looks like we could see a big change, big change uh, with Jalant's team. And I think that's a good sign for a team that obviously wants to be in Division One. As for Bayern Munich, Luis, this is a good move. Bringing in Matuidi, bringing in El Shadawe. I think those are guys that are going to improve the team. Now, maybe it's a little bit too late. That's a possibility. But three games in hand on PSG is a good start, right? I mean, that's a good place to be in. It doesn't hurt you to try and catch up and try and get as close as you can to the fifth spot. That fifth spot now, to me, is going to be a lot harder to grab, especially if Martin wins his next three games. You know, obviously, if everyone above these guys continues to win, I think that it's going to be basically impossible for Munich to do something about getting the fifth spot. But if Luis can get hot, like we've seen him do, he's had a pretty even season, kind of like Jalant. Jalant's 7 6 and 6, and uh, Munich is 6 4 and 7. So they've had kind of good, you know, periods where they've been very good, but it's looking like they're going to maybe just even out come season's end and finish in the same spots they're in now. As for the top five, I've been impressed with the fact that we have such a good race here in the second division. Obviously, this is barring Arsenal and Celtic go out and maybe win their next two games. We're still looking at a pretty reasonable gap at the top of the table. It'd only be three if both win their next two matches. If Fiorentina win their next three, we are talking about one point off three points off. We have a good title race to look at. I think that that's something to we could really be happy about with the second division. And uh, obviously I'll talk to Joey about maybe let's do try and get these teams to be on the Twitch game of the, of the week. You know, get another showcase game going. We need that, especially with the race getting so tight. And uh, of course, you know, you're looking at the t three teams right now that currently sit in the automatic spots to go up. Young boys, top scoring team in the league. Arsenal been the most consistent all season long. You're looking at Celtic, one of the best defenses in the league. Actually, they are the best defense in the league. And, you know, you're looking at three teams who have three important qualities, each using it very well. You look at young boys as well with Vardy. He could score goals and David Villa's impressed. Um, you know, Arsenal has Kareem Benzema and Santi Mina. They all have guys that do stuff for them. You know, Celtic, I think, kind of having a, ro a robust unit 
all together type of mentality has really helped them. And I think that's why these three teams are sitting at, you know, the top of the table at the moment. Obviously, Josh and Martin are looking to crash that party. And Martin, I've talked a ton about what he's done. He's got everybody on that team able to make a pass or score a goal. And that's the most important thing you can do. Even in real life, that's what you want. That's the dream is to have everybody going 100% gas pedal down. And that's what you want. Martin's got that. Obviously, he's got the second best defensive record to go along with 41 goals on the year. As for Josh, listen, I picked him to win this whole thing. And it's still very possible he can. He's not out of reach of that at all. He's got to hope for some results that Arsenal and Celtic don't get better in this race. But Josh has put himself in a good position. The defensive play for him has improved over the last month. I want it to be better. He's got to get tighter with that defense if he wants a chance to get an automatic spot because of how good Celtic play defense. And you're looking at the consistency that Arsenal bring and the goals that young boys score. They're always going to be in game. So what we'll see what, you know, we know Josh has balance, but what quality is he going to be able to use uh, from all the attributes he does have that's going to help him over the line and not have to play someone to get into the first division. Guys, that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, obviously, check us out at our Instagram page at San Pedro FIFA League. And I'm always looking for feedback. I will be doing a, qu- a questionnaire, and you guys can ask whatever questions to the podcast after I release the podcast today. So that is something that we'll be doing on the Instagram. Um, of course, you guys put your input in. Of course, next week I'll be bringing up all the standings and results that take place because now we're going to get back to playing games. The business end of the season, here it comes. You got a week of the window. I was super happy about the window. I thought it was nice and short. It got right to the point because that's what we need in the middle of the season is just something really quick. And then, okay, back to business we go. We got the FA Cup. Obviously, we know all the money that came from that. Now it's time to see. If I'm not going to win something, I better get as much money as I can because now it's time to improve, improve the roster come next offseason. By the way, if this window is any indication, we are looking at an even more important window come next offseason because we got teams in D1 like Chelsea, anyone in that top four, I won't even list them. And the teams that are trying to get into the top four, there is going to be a war on who could bring in players to improve the teams. As for the second division, we have a war going on right now. And if you guys aren't paying attention to the race in the second division, you're missing out. That's the most competitive division we have this year. And I don't mean on overall talent. I'm saying just in the fact that all the points are together. These teams have beaten each other at least once. And everyone's competitive. No one has a perfect squad. And it's really made it fun to watch here in the second division. It's going to be interesting to see as we come into the last two months who could pull away. Can someone even get the chance to pull away? And who is going to make that fifth spot? Can Benfica and Bayern Munich do something miraculous and try and catch up to those guys? Or is it already set in stone? As for the first division, like I said, the top four is the top four at the moment. I don't think it'll be caught. That five to eight area is so key, though, to land in, to end your season. You want to end it on a good note. You want to not only finish in the top half, but get a top seed come next tournament rounds. Because you know how important that is to get out of the group stage and be playing for big money come FA Cup time next season. So that's all on the line as we end the last two months of the season. As for now, you'll hear from me. I got it right. On next week's podcast, I'm George Tello. Thank you guys so much for listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. As for now, goodbye.